Hey everyone, just want to encourage you to find us on your listening platform and give us a rating. Anywhere you listen to that has a rating system, go on over and give us a rating and maybe leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts. These ratings really do help. Thank you so much for listening. On to this week's episode. Hey Nicole. Hey Eddie Z. Do you think Angela, what was her name for Murder, She Wrote? What was that chica's name? Angela Lansbury. Lansbury. I think she was a lesbian. Ugh. Unfortunately, she wasn't, but just like mm. Kate Blanchett, I want her so bad on my team. Because these uh, MVPs. According to uh, Vilma, lesbians make the best detectives. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one positive stereotype. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is just, we can't top that. Guys, we're talking about the new HBO show, Velma. Oh. By Mindy Kaling, or featuring Mindy Kaling. We're going to get into it. It is also by Mindy Kaling. Oh, hey, Rolando's here. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, guys. I am back this week. (laughs) We missed you last week, Rolando. So nice to have you back. I'm Nicole. And I'm Rolando. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast. About unoriginality. Oh my gosh. Uh, lesbians do make the best detectives. I mean, like, we're, we're nosy. We're, we love the chisme. Uh, and we like to get to the bottom of things. And we're also highly intelligent. I'm just stereotyping the shit out of us. But, I mean, yeah. hey, all positives, right? All mm-hmm, positives. Yeah. That's good. I mean, there's so few. I feel like there's so few lesbian stereotypes. Right? Um, yeah, I suppose. Well, I mean, there's strong ones for very few of us, you know, like, like there's like, okay, butch, uh, butch queens love to drive in Jeeps, <laughs> you know, like that stereotype or like actually, lesbians uh, move in after a week or something. That one is a notorious one. Everybody knows that one, right? That, yes. Like, uh, the second date is a U-Haul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> much. Oh, is, oh, that that's the bad joke. If it's a good su- if it's a good date, you should bring your suitcase. Wait, tell me the bad joke. I want to hear. Yeah, well, yeah. What's the bad joke? I I mean, this is the bad joke about the U uh, U haul thing. It's like, what does the lesbian bring on her second date? A U haul. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Um, that is a joke. But which it's I don't I don't support. By the way, just so makes. I mean, it's funny because it's true. So. <laughs> we can laugh about these things but you know if you think of like iconic lesbian characters of the 20th century let's not take 21st century because there's a lot 20th century there's there's not a lot mm-hmm. um and if there's any that you can think of that are like queer coded i mean velma dinkley does come to mind right right which we spoke about uh when we did scooby-doo was it two years ago now it was two years ago. It was during the year of the pandemic when Scoob yeah. came out. So Scoob. if you want to hear an in-depth like conversation on the Scooby-Doo franchise, and we had a guest on, um, you know, the, the host of a pup named Scooby, a podcast named a, pod. a podcast a pod. named you, Scooby-Doo. Excuse it was me, just a pod. Uh, we're gonna put the link in the show notes because it's a really good episode, and we dug in deep and we talked about all these different Scooby-Doo properties. So today we're not gonna do that. We're just really gonna fo- focus on this new one, Velma, on HBO Max. Uh, that just came out 
I think the showrunner is um Mindy Edward. Kaling. Oh, showrunner. Uh, isn't she? She was a for sure is a creator because uh, I, I remember we saw. Do we saw her at Comic because well, we saw her at Comic Con. Uh huh. Uh, and she was one of the developers. Okay, so oh, okay. Uh, Charlie Grandy, that's his name. <clears throat> yes, yeah, the creator is Charlie well. Grandy. I actually um. have sound bites from the Comic Con <laughs> from the oh. Comic Con recording. Maybe yeah. I put throw them in when I should have listened to them before the episode. <laughs> and that was back in October. Did you that guys see? Back, we saw the pilot episode back in October. Oh, wow. Okay. I was going to do something on social media, but you get tired after Comic-Con, you know? Yeah, it's exhausting, I'm sure. Oh, so, um, so exhausting. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because, like, as far back as I can remember, Velma has always been a lesbian. Like, growing up, I've just always recognized Velma as part of the community, or at least someone that I can relate to. And... I don't know like where it started or in what property it is, or maybe the original cartoon was just so perfectly drawn and so perfectly, you know, displayed that she's always kind of had this queer coded to like, like we knew, even though they couldn't come out and say it, we knew it. Cause like, what do we know about Velma from the show? I mean, we know she has short hair, she has glasses, she's she blind jinkies. without her glasses. Yes. She's, she says jinkies. She's the smartest, uh, the most cynical. Like, oftentimes when people get scared, they often jump into her arms. So she's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, the daddy of the group. Mm-hmm. And most famously, she knows what Velma's, uh, no, sorry, Daphne's Daphne. moans sound like, which yes. is one of my favorite things. I'll share the link to that, too. There's an eight-second clip. I mean, how does she know what uh, Daphne's moans sound like? Hmm. Let's wonder here. So there's always just kind of been, like, these hints. And I think that as the Scooby-Doo franchise has been revisited and rebooted and all this stuff, they've explored that more and more because as time goes on, we can explore those things. Um, Apparently, when the films were made with James Gunn and Linda Cardellini as Velma, they really, really wanted to make her a lesbian, like a flat-out lesbian, but the studio like shut it down. But they kind of did skirt around it. They did, yeah. There's Mm -hmm. like a scene where like her and Daphne are kind of really going out of their way to talk about it, right? Like, they're saying it without saying it. They are, yeah. And there's, like, a scene where she's singing a song and then, like, Daphne comes down the stairs, so it kind of, like, can intimate that she's singing mm-hmm. about Daphne. Um, but then in the second movie, the studio forced them to give her a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So they, like, shut all of that down. Uh, and James Gunn, like, has come out and said, like, in his first draft of the screenplay, she was a straight-out lesbian. Uh, so... We're kind of like seeing it there, but in the last 20 years or so since those live action films come out, things have actually come out that we've simply addressed it. And now canonically, like this character of Velma is openly gay. Uh, and the, is she gay or is she bi? I think we just know that she has, we know that she, she's queer. Let's say that. Right. Cause so it was almost like right before October of last year, that was like, a Scooby-Doo movie or something. It was something yes. that came out that Trick or treat Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that canonized at least Velma developing feelings for another female. Yes. And yes. it became canon and stuff. And the question that Eddie and I had going into the panel for Velma was, wait a minute, that was developed before this was greenlit. So I wonder, like, do they know what's going to happen? It's like, what, like, how do they deal? Like, are they going to make Velma heterosexual 
or are they also going to go about it some other way you know yeah no that is a good question and and did they address that at all on your panel so they didn't want to reveal what they had in store for the sexual proclivities of the cast of the friends of the scooby-doo gang minus scooby-doo uh that's that's so they were they they acknowledged they acknowledged that yes we know uh velma has just had her first like on-screen romance with uh, another female that happened before ours was in development but we do have surprises for you guys that's kind mm. of how they left it for us okay all right um and we're gonna get into those surprises in just a bit uh mm-hmm. so Velma was actually greenlit. I mean, if you know anything too, please jump in. But I think it was greenlit pretty recently, as far early as like either early last year or late 2021. So like this has been like really, you know, like it's not been in the works for a long time now. Like they rushed this out. And we kind of know that Warner Brothers isn't in the best state right now. (laughs) Right now. Yeah. So so this is all happening, I guess, as the merger is about to Mm -hmm. take place. So... I know Mindy Kaling had said, she, you know, she had just been developing this idea. They had a meeting with uh, Warner Brothers Animation is what they had mentioned. And uh, basically they just gave their pitch. Hey, we want to do uh, like an adult oriented Scooby-Doo thing. And the studio thought about it and they came back. Fine. You can. You can't use Scooby-Doo. That's the one that's on the studio. <laughs> I will like I, the show has gotten so much criticism from fans and uh, and critics about this. But. That wasn't a decision made by Mindy Kaling or the creators. That was studio saying, you cannot use Scooby-Doo. Which is, why would they say that? I wonder. I'm assuming that's what keeps it, Scooby, you know, like Mickey Mouse? Yeah, oh, like you I won't, see. You don't want to pervert that character because of the identity attached to it. So if you're going to, like, Daphne, Vel- they're humans, right? We all, as humans, are make errors and stuff and you could just chalk it up to that but like to see scooby-doo like in some like if we did see scooby-doo like getting high or like uh being like i don't know sexually aggressive with like another female dog right like it would just like it may hit different mm, mm-hmm. so it would make sense why with the humans is something that's a little more palatable that's my guess they didn't they didn't go into specifics i will admit that's that. interesting but using like mickey mouse as an example and then i'll get back on track if there was like a Mickey Mouse and Friends kind of like origin story, but without Mickey Mouse, like, would you want to watch that show? Like, if it was just well, Goofy and Donald. Called, it was called Kingdom Hearts. Literally, Mickey Mouse doesn't show up in the entire first game. You see his silhouette at the end of the first game. But he him, does but appear? Uh, literally as a silhouette. He's just, you don't, uh, just a silhouette. Just a silhouette. You don't see him. You don't hear him. You just see a silhouette for like a like a glimpse of it at the very end of the the first game and i remember feeling i'm just like i can't believe i played this whole game and mickey mouse didn't even show up but that's a game that's not a television show that's like a comedy that's like also kind of like a kids coming of age but but like i feel like games are way more they hit different than what they're much more involved because like you're playing these characters right so I think it's even a harder sell on a game than it is for the TV show is a passive activity. When you're playing a game, like you're actually playing these characters and you're in a way like if you're feeling like you're interacting with these characters, even though you're not. You know what Interesting. I mean? Interesting. So even though- like it's way more immersive than like a, a, a movie or a TV show, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I could claim a, the opposite yeah, it, though. 
and saying that because it's so immersive that you're not thinking as much when you're sitting back and you're watching something, you're actually being more analytical and therefore you're like digesting it or on a deeper uh, level. I don't know. I might, I, I might disagree with you on that because okay. I think because of the immersion and stuff, it does allow you. And then once you put the game down, keep in mind, you're not, it's very rare. I think the average player won't sit down and just like play a game for just hours on it. Yes. There are people that do that, but for the most part, people will play it in chunks. And it gives you time to just sit back and then reflect on what you just experienced or what you just saw, <laughs> depending on the game and stuff. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind here, and then we're getting a little off track, I know, but, like, yeah. you know, The Last of Us is just, you know, it's, it's it just got adapted by HBO Max, which is, you know, the company that's hosting uh, Velma. Yeah. And uh, even though they're, like, kind of taking these scenes, like, ripped out of the video game, there is a difference that you feel when you're playing the game because, like, you're these characters. You're experiencing this. You're experiencing the loss of your child to the apocalypse as opposed to watching it. It hits different, right? Mm, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that one is better than the other. I'm just saying there's, yeah. there's different. And uh, that's why I think the Mickey Mouse thing for that, for that example is just like, you know, they were – it, it wasn't until the second Kingdom Hearts that you got to see Mickey Mouse and, like, you know, he was so sanitized. It was kind of corny. He was, like, the king and he was, like, you know, you know, uh, it wasn't, like, you know, Goofy and Donald who were, like, kind of struggling with uh, this powers that the Kingdom Hearts have brought upon them. What okay. are we talking about? Scooby we're talking Joe. about Velma. Uh, well, so I guess it's just weird because it's, it's like having a Harry Potter origin story without Harry Potter. Or just, like, you know, like the, the eponymous character that you kind of – are therefore or, or feel like ties and is the glue and brings everything together when that's well, missing. That, wasn't that the whole point of that prequel franchise, right? The most amazing creatures, fantastic beasts, fantastic beasts. Yeah. Well, that's, go. that's a Harry Potter property, but, but like that no is Harry different Potter. though, but that's different because these are all brand new characters that's within true. that world. But so the these franchise- are the same exact characters minus the one person <laughs> that like is kind of right. like the sauce of it all. Um, so I would, actually, I would, I would watch a like Hogwarts story that's taking place during Harry's years, but from like the point of view of like the regular, like students. everyone else, like, like that TikTok. Ha- yes, <laughs> yes, that TikTok yes, is so yes, good. so funny. That's a great girl, TikTok. Like, watching the the students come in, it's so fucking the students from the other schools, and she's yeah. like, it's just like, oh, I can't wait for Hogwarts, and then she's embarrassed. By, like, the lack of anything. <laughs> And I'm just like, this is, I would watch that TV yeah, show. A whole TikTok <laughs> series or a TV show like that would be so good. Um, well, so it's an interesting thing. And I think that that's one of the criticisms that the show has. And like, you know, we're going to get into the plot and everything of this. But like this show is is getting like panned. And I, I like wonder why. Like it's almost as if like this is people are taking out <laughs> every negative emotion they have on this show. Well, um, I think it's mostly... They're taking it out on midi. So I've actually did a deep dive on these like criticisms of on this show, mm-hmm. uh, which I kind of do want to get into a lot because I think a yeah. lot of them are a little, a lot of them are unfair. I do think uh, so too. So let's talk a little bit about them. the plot, um, mm-hmm. and then let's just dive right into all these criticisms. Yep. So the series is it's supposed to be an alternate universe. So okay. in this world, Velma Dinkley is South Asian, um, and she right. is represented as a South Asian American and like she has a father and this whole home life. Um, she's a snarky teenage would be detective. Uh, she's got a little crush on Fred, Fred Jones. So all the main characters that we know from Scooby-Doo, Fred Jones, uh, 
Norville Rogers, which I like for a second, I was like, wait a minute, is that Shaggy? Because I guess that's his real name. It is Shaggy. And Daphne Blake. They're all here. And they all go to school together. Daphne Uh, Blake is played by Constance Wu. Yes. Who I got to see in person. It was just like, I'm glad she did something with her hair because the hair that she had for uh, that movie with J-Lo was just not it. That yeah. was a mistake. Well, supposed to be not it. It know? was the <laughs> worst haircut I have ever Stop. seen on an actress ever. Stop. <laughs> you sure? Oh my gosh. It was so it. bad. Kyle Sangs were just well, unforgivable. Let's not even bring up Courtney Cox and Scream 2. <gasps> they were that level. That was bad. They were they were very similar. <laughs> um so Velma's mother went missing a years prior and she has like this guilt about it, almost like like a survivor's guilt but also like you know she's blaming herself for being kind of involved with it so she has these weird guilt based hallucinations that happen every Mm -hmm. so often kind of like wednesday in the wednesday show would constantly have these hallucinations that would like i mean different types of hallucinations but she would just like get them randomly whenever she's like onto something or she's feeling something yeah yeah and i Um, I feel like it's anytime she activates being a detective yeah like doing any detective is the trigger for yeah. for these hallucinations where where it's almost it's it's it's, it's an anxiety attack mm-hmm. where you know people who have had anxiety attacks really bad ones and you feel like you're going to die yeah yeah and the only thing that can like she's like so in her head she just like she she can't get out of it so like something drastic has to happen like somebody really needs to make her laugh or you know maybe give her a little kiss um mm. So, (laughs) but we won't get into that just yet. There's, like I said, there's Fred Jones. And in this show, he's portrayed as a very popular and very vapid uh, teenage boy who is spoiled and Mm -hmm. particularly dim-witted. And it's actually funny because this is one of the few times that the guy who has voiced uh, Fred for like years has not voiced that character, but he voices the father. And oh, I think yeah, yeah, they made like a joke yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, so the voice of Fred here is Glenn Howard in. Uh, mm-hmm. He's from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I think, honestly, for this character that he's trying to portray, that was kind of, in my opinion, smart casting. Yeah. Because he does have that energy that he, we know he can play that like entitled uh, white man energy. To, and uh, I think he does bring in and stuff. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he just portrays him as such a little loser who's actually also like late in puberty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. So random. Um, there is Norville Rogers, who is also no longer in the show White. Um, I do believe that they've made him um, either Latino or black. It, I it's think he's black. I think he might be. Multi. I think, yeah. he's, I think his mom is white or I think his father's white and his, mo- his mother's black. Oh, that. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that, but yeah, he's playing by Sam Richardson. So yeah, from Hocus I, Pocus two and other stuff. Uh, yeah, and I think we gotta go. I mean, you know, Constance was playing Daphne. Now Daphne is technically she has already said that she's Asian, right? Yeah. Uh, which she doesn't really look. I mean, I don't want to like that sounds offensive, but they didn't animate her to look like present Asian because they had they had other Asian characters who look more Asian. So I was just I thought like, what's up with that? Like more East Asian. No, 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 no. Asian, Asian. Like, uh, the animation style, her, she, she looks, I mean, if you could say an animation style, she's white passing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I, yeah, that's, that is a little tough. Um, but the, yeah, Daphne is very popular. She and Velma used to be best friends. They were like, they had matching, uh, necklaces that the other one had the other half of. And, 
I guess. Oh, yeah. Also, she's an adopted child and her parents are two. She's raised by lesbians, mm-hmm. voiced by two iconic lesbians, Jane Lynch and Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. um, Wait, Jane Lynch awesome. is a lesbian? Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, she's a lesbian. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's yeah. definitely lesbian. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I like having her. Um, and let's just like kind of get to it because as of when we were recording this, there's only two episodes up, right? Yeah. When this goes out, there'll be a third episode, but we yeah. recorded this uh, before the yeah. third episode. We're a little. Okay. Um, so everyone has all these toward like feelings, you know, like Velma has a harmless crush on Fred. Norville is in love with Velma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has like this like whole online life. Like, um, he's like a, I don't know. He's a streamer or something. Yeah, I think he's like a, a blogger, a like blogger, a blogger, vlogger, YouTuber. Yeah. Snack review. Yes. And uh, yeah. And he hates drugs, but he's probably all of his community followers are probably stoners. Right. Uh, Which is a fun. Uh, I mean, you know, the show is trying to be very meta. Yes. Uh, and so like, you know, the him like literally looking at the camera saying it's just like, I don't like drugs. Obviously, yeah. because like the joke has always been that like Shaggy's a stoner. Shaggy yeah. were yeah. stoners. Yeah, you know, and uh, so this is how they decided to shake things up. Which I actually, I don't know, I I don't dislike. I actually, I am a fan of Sam Richardson. Yeah, I think he is so lovable. Oh yeah. No, I, and I think if carries in his voice acting, like that charm that he has, just does carry over in his voice acting, despite the fact that it's not the Shaggy that I grew up with. That's exactly. It. I think out of every single character, he is the most like he's the furthest away from mm-hmm. his original incarnation. Um which sure, if I was a person who was looking forward to this show, then maybe I would be upset about that because I'm like I can't see anything that I personally love about Shaggy in this representation. Um more so like personality traits, like he he hates drugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like almost a little he's like awkward in a different way. Um, and he has this, like, f- complete obsessive love. Not obsessive, but, like, almost there for, for Velma. He's um, very, very, uh, he's very, very, he's got that lovesick going on for her. Yeah. And very so, one-sided, so. Yes, it's not, it's not reciprocated, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, the Shaggy that we know, you know, who he could care less about <laughs> those things in the original films. He just wants to, like, be with his dog and, like, hang out in the Scooby van and eat and have snacks and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, Just a, a side note. I started watching um, Mysteries Scoop- Incorporated. Mystery Incorporated. So, which they have uh, Velma and Shaggy as boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, but they haven't told the rest of the crew about it. They're, so, they're, like, secretly dating and one of the things Shaggy has is that he doesn't want to reveal their relationship. Like he's the one that doesn't want to reveal their relationship because he doesn't know how Scooby's going to handle it. Oh my so. gosh. That is so cute. Actually, you know what? I do think that there have been canonically other moments where Shaggy and Velma have been paired. Cause like historically speaking, Fred and Daphne usually are. Right. Um, so it's like, Oh, well of course, you know, two guys, well, yeah. two girls are all going to get together at some point. I mean, yeah, the two hot ones always like, end up together. Right. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, and speaking of Daphne, uh, they changed it up. She's actually not really someone who has feelings for Fred in this series. She has complicated feelings for Velma. And the second Wait, episode... Was she dating Fred? She, she is. She 
I think they're just they're, like social dating. Yeah, yeah like kind of like that high school thing. It's just like you're a prom king, I'm prom queen. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Got it. Yes, that makes sense. Uh, but yes, you're right. Uh, she has it by the end of second episode. We uh, find out that she has these complicated relationship, uh, these complicated that complicated feelings for Velma, mm-hmm. which surprise, surprise, Velma too has for Daphne. Yes, and. Uh, behind all of this, there's a serial killer who is killing, uh, oh, like, right. yeah. uh, girls and, like, cutting open their brains and stuff. It's, like, weird. So there's, like, actual, like, mystery that's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, it's, like, very unlike Scooby-Doo in that sense where it's always just, like, a ghost or something. And then it's, like, somebody who's, you know, just, like, having their fun on the side. Uh, but... There's some hardcore murders going on. So that's basically the premise and the characters of the show. And the show is getting panned, like we said. Panned by the fan base. Uh, critically, I think it's, like, mixed. Uh, like, some of the reviews I have read kind of have praised it. Some have also bashed it. And I think it's just really – I think it just – it's subjective in terms of, like, what are you looking for in a show? Mm-hmm. I've – when we covered Wednesday, I admitted, like, I do love myself a teen drama. And yes. this is really trying to swerve into that kind of specifically Riverdale-esque kind of show while still being, like, you know, adult-oriented. You you mentioned the word edgelord uh, in one of the previous episodes before. You taught me what that term meant. Yes. And stuff, you know, like Rick and Morty, like – Rick, oh, yeah. Be like an edgelord. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of more, they're kind of doing that, but like in a girlish, like as a female, they're trying to make that with Velma, mm. which is what's rubbing people, I think, the wrong way. But from what I've been, I did it, like I said, I did a deep dive on, like, I'm like, yo, why is this show getting so much hate? And a lot of it comes from both sides of the aisle, right? Like, uh, like the conservative feel that this show is racist because of its portrayal of, Fred as like the only white character, right? <laughs> so they're accusing, uh, they're accusing Mindy Kaling of being straight up racist, okay, uh, and stuff. Which I'm just like, I was watching, I tried to stomach this uh, YouTuber just like trying to rip apart, uh, trying to stomach these YouTubers just shitting on the show. Is I feel like I need a bath afterwards because like all their complaints just stem from this. Oh my god, I'm feeling victimized as a white person. It just is most of these critiques, mm. right? And I'm not saying that their feelings are invalid, but kind of a little bit, I think. Uh, so you think that when it's like against a white person, it's not racist, right? It's not that it's not racist. I just think it's just like, it's not, Fred isn't the only character that's getting made fun of. He's not, no. You know what I mean? It's not, so if it was literally just all, like we're constantly shitting on white people, then I could be like, all right, fine. I can see as a white person why this might be offensive to you, but every this is like kind of equal opportunity here. Yeah, and that's where the next set of critiques that I was like really diving into comes from. They come from the South Asian community, who oh. are really, really having a huge uh, backlash against Mindy Kaling. Where the main critique I'm seeing is that they're arguing that Mindy Kaling is kind of now one note, uh, and she kind of has like self hatred for her background as a South mm. Asian and stuff. That argument i am not going to i i understand where they're coming from because if you you have you seen the show never have i ever i've oh i've i've seen everyone compare it to this show so tell me about this 
Well, Never Have I Ever is also by Mindy Kaling. It's written by Mindy Kaling. And uh, Never Have I Ever stars... This is a story of a Indian girl in high school. She's kind of, you know, an outcast, but she's also, like, very self-assured and stuff, and she wants to lose her virginity to the hot guy. Main critique from the show, from the South Asian community, is just, like, Mindy Kaling is always pairing up these uh, South Asian characters with white men. Mm. She has, like, kind of, like, a white man savior obsession. Mm. Uh, Mindy, so there's a Mindy project, for example, comes to mind. She tended to end up with white men. I don't know who she ended up with, but like her longest relationship on the show was uh Danny Zuko? No. Yeah, that can't be. Danny Zuko is from Greece. Danny something, but he was a hot white guy. Uh, okay. doctor who was her opposite and stuff and they were I mean he was so hot so it's just like how could you not? I I get it. But common critique that comes from her. So same thing goes with uh with uh Devi in this show uh never have i ever she is like just obsessed her her two love interests are white men well he's half japanese that's white presenting men actually now you (laughs) because we have also an asian (laughs) asian daddy so it's just like maybe these critiques from the south asian community are wrong uh but the other show that comes to uh, that people have also been calling out is uh the secret life of college girls I haven't seen this one, but I so I can't speak to it. But they're saying the same thing happens where she a lot of the jokes are very derivative of making fun of like South Asian culture and self-hating, self-loathing. And uh, once again, she's being paired off with white men, the South Asian character. And she Mindy Kaling tends at least a lot of her main projects have been like kind of from the point of view of a South Asian character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, Mindy, the Mindy Project, uh, Secret Life of a College Girls, and uh, the uh, Never, Never Have I Ever, right? Like these are very, very heavily. She has said that these are influenced based off of her life. And I think the problem that a lot of South, at least the South Asian community is having is just like they feel like the shows are one note, that they aren't giving like a fair representation of South Asian community. However, here's my counter argument to this it's just like, how many South Asian writers do we know are out there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, it's not like, don't shit on Mindy Kaling. Like, she's telling her truth. It's her yeah. truth. And we might not like it, but it's still like, it's her experiences that she, as a writer, you can build off of. So it's yeah. like... I mean, she's she's giving a very specific viewpoint, you know? It's not mm-hmm. going to speak to everyone. But, you know, what do we want her to do? Like, lie or tell someone else's story? Uh, you know, what do we want from, like, people who, at the end of the day, like, a lot is falling on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. So she has, like, many different type of people that she has to appease. appease. Um, so I guess, I mean, I've read a lot of reviews, and I actually kind of wanted to read some out loud. Yeah. Um, so one is actually from Paste Magazine, which I think was pretty pretty well written as to why it articulated what went wrong with the show. Okay. It says, what holds Velma back from being a notable entry to the Scooby-Doo library is the identity crisis it faces. The writing is constantly at war with itself, unable to decide whether it wants to be an absurdist satire of the horror genre or the show's source material or play as a straightforward reinvention of the characters in a YA lens. Mm. Okay, yeah, I I think that's that's fair. And by tackling all of that, it sort of becomes like a sort of hodgepodge that never really connects. 
Mm-hmm. And I do think that's well written, and I do see what they're saying. I feel like it is trying to be more of like, I think it's yeah. I I actually completely agree with that. Like, <laughs> but I no, think no, that I the show. Yeah, I, I you read that and I'm just like uh huh. I yeah. I know I get that sentiment. I that's a very very articulate way of putting something that I didn't necessarily have the right words to. Yeah, right? no, this, yeah. thank God for uh, film critics and television yeah. critics and all this stuff. So that's one review that I think is really, really well uh, written. Now, here's one on Google. So this is, is this a like public... Is like a fan review? Yeah, so I, this is like anyone can just... Yes, it. but okay. this person went in. So I'm only going to highlight certain things. Okay. Um, but they gave it one star. And this is the top Google review. So if you want to read the whole thing, go for it. There's just nothing progressive about this show, let alone making any breaking ground or shattering glasses on anything other than to slap and insult the audience, even to those that the progressive stance of both Mindy and the show tries to appease to. Pause. Already, like, this is coming off so slanted. Like, it's yeah. just like the progress. It's like, yo, like... We Use have, progressive choice. <laughs> it's like we, ha- as a society, like, we're so divisive that, like, everything has to have, like, a political slant. I don't think I do believe that some media has obviously political undertones. Sure. But I don't know if like we need to like not everything does. Yeah. Right. Like especially and I think with comedy, it's so tricky because like we're in a world where comedy is like kind of I don't want to say sanitized. Right. Because I don't I think that gets credence to a lot of critiques. It's just like, oh, you can't be you can't be uh, what's it called? You have to be PC now. That's not the issue. I think you could still be funny without necessarily, um, you know, without uh, isolating a, 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 an entire population of people, right? You can't, you don't have to be mocking towards like, like Dave Chappelle. But at the same time though, if he wants to, it's his freedom of speech. He's allowed to, and there Absolutely. are consequences to his action. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So if people want, and that's the thing, if a small pocket of people complain about it, that's the thing. We always, ugh, we have such a silent, we have such a loud minority, like, yeah. I mean, like, it's always like it's such a loud vocal minority that gets amplified by the media. Uh, like uh, Dave Chappelle's stuff comes to mind because, like, let's be very real. It's a very, very small population of people who are very upset with Dave Chappelle for his anti-trans jokes. I think most people, the plurality of people understand it's a comedy bit. Like, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen you don't have to agree with him and uh, you are more than welcome to boycott him. But like, you're not, we're not, so, we can't be telling others what they can and cannot find funny. Do you know what I mean? It's such a censorship. Thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like censorship is really under attack in this country. So, um, okay. So let's keep reading this review a little bit. Additionally, this is supposedly being done before the Scooby Doo gang even is a thing, which means the characters here are very much underage. And to top it off, the show brazenly shows off multiple underage high schoolers in naked and showering scenes, which tend to suggest uncomfortable tones. That was just a, was, that was one scene. <laughs> and they were, while they were doing it, they were literally trying to make a point about like how a lot of TV show pilots are over-sexualizing the first episode. And then you would see that sexualization again. Uh, mm. I thought it was, I actually, when I first saw that at Comic-Con, I actually thought that was funny. I thought it, you know, because like, Betty and Veronica do make out in the first episode of Riverdale, right? And then they never, they never talk about that again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see like Archie getting it on with a high school teacher in the first episode, and he's like, "Wow." I, I think in the first episode, like Archie is shirtless, like 
majority of the show. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yes, I think it was made to be uncomfortable, but I think that's the the thing with, with uh, animation. Like, it gives you the liberty to kind of be risque like that, too. You know what I mean? Yes, I Like, know. you're not going to... Yeah. You, you, doing that with actual actors who are portraying underage people, that's when you start getting like, eh, you know? Yeah, yeah. But they're actors portraying a certain age, right? But, like, uh, animation, because it's animation, I think we're supposed to have, be able to have that kind of layer, that kind of, like, glass between us, saying, like, but this isn't real. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make a what – what what's a commentary that they're trying to make here? And they were, like, very on the nose about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they weren't no, hiding, like, what they were trying to do. Yeah. I also love how much this review is is definitely inciting all of this out of you. You know, like, I love everything you're saying. Yeah, because it's just like, because, like, a lot of the trash that I had to, like, listen to on YouTube about the the hate the show was getting comes from this kind of place. It's just like, I don't, you guys don't know what you guys are talking about. You guys are just mad because you guys want to be mad. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so go go on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm skipping ahead to a little bit, but, like, they complain about the depictions of... Daphne of Fred and obviously, you know, Fred, who is a nice guy and sort of leader of the group that had a tendency of splitting teams and setting up traps becomes a complete narcissist racist. And let's go a little further. Both Velma and Daphne keep their friendship, if you could really call that a friendship. And despite being in high school, they're drug dealers. Have fun trying to make that seem socially acceptable. I'm sorry. Did we not all sell drugs at one point or another <laughs> in our high school days? I know I I should not say this, I guess, on the podcast that I have to do that. Velma no. as a drug dealer is hysterical. It was. I thought it was, I thought those Get funny. your drugs here, drugs. Get your drugs. <laughs> I thought, yeah, like it's supposed to be like it's a it's dumb show where they're like kind of just like kind of amping up some of these situations to like eleven. And again, as someone who watches a lot of, I do love a good teen drama, like teen selling drugs, it's kind of a plot point usually, I think, on Riverdale. I think a whole season revolved around drug use and like selling drugs and trying to find like who's selling these drugs. Uh, so, you know, I, what, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And the other thing, wait, where, when was, when was Freddy racist? I don't think Freddy was ever racist. He I, was narcissistic for sure, but he I don't definitely think he was portrayed. narcissistic. I mean, there's like I, that one moment where he's like, "Oh my god, people are seeing me talk to you," and like, you know, but runs it wasn't away from Velma. I, yeah, I that's the it, only it moment I can think of that they're just, yeah. you know, misconstruing as racism. It wasn't ra- like he's um, classist at best, an elitist maybe, but like he wasn't. They never portrayed uh, Freddie as. Yeah, racist. I do think that I mean, this person d- is confusing the fact that they feel like this is a racist portrayal of Fred. Mm-hmm. He did make that comment. Um, when uh, they were at 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 the um, at the house at Fred's house at Fred's house when um Velma's father th- took on the case as the lawyer and he told okay but you're gonna help me out so she's there with him and he makes that comment like uh before you started talking I thought you were one of the help oh okay yeah I yeah I don't know if that was that but that's not you arrogant see that as racist no classist. And classes too, yeah. Arrogant classes, just <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes actually from the show Archer, where Val- uh, Mallory was accused of being racist by uh, a black. Uh, he was a black, like uh, you know, like a, a a worker for like a train, and he she was accused of being racist because of the way she talked to him. But as she said, is like I'm not racist. 
a cla- uh, elitist maybe, but not a racist, <laughs> right? And it was it wasn't she wasn't talking down to him because he was black. She was talking down to him because he's a working class man. As I think that was more so what Fred was doing. Just the fact that she's brown, I don't know. I don't. I think he's painted. I think this character of Fred, his worldview is by based off of popularity and like how much money you have. Mm, okay. So very, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I'll buy that. Um, all right, so they ended off with this. Just past the show, the attempts it tries to do with both humor and, quote, lessons and, quote, progressionism that's gone too far and too sharp to where it's just considered mindless zealotry and just let the show fade into the void and be forgotten. So it's interesting because this person sounds like they're fed up with, you know, Hollywood's, quote, unquote, like progressive takes on these remakes, reboots, and revivals. Because, hey, we come across it all the time. Where yeah. they're, you know, trying to diversify and shake things up and, like, portray things a little bit different that, you know, hit to a broader audience now. Um, do you think that people are tired of that? Because it sounds like, th- like the fact that they said progressive, <laughs> like, a million times in this review is just shows that that's truly what they're angry at. I mean, remember when we did Interview with a Vampire? How mm-hmm. some people were, like, up in arms about... We have a black Louis. We have very, very openly. You, you took the gay subsect and just made it just context at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yes, but aren't you and I kind of tired of it too? Sometimes. I mean, it's kind of. I'm tired of the fact that I think Hollywood thinks it's an easy way to win me over. That's what mm-hmm. I'm tired of. Yeah. I feel, you know, like I'm getting pandered to. What I'm not tired of, though, is like I'm perfectly okay with having James Bond be, be black. I'm perfectly mm-hmm. okay with Velma being South Asian. Like mm-hmm. I am not married to any of the, I'm perfectly fine with Ghostbusters being women. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know so, why people have... Going back to first have, season of our show. Seriously, because this has also been something that, for years, like, people have a really hard time with, first of all, not looking at these characters as what they are, characters, uh-huh. and being able to see them in different ways. You know, why are we so glued to the fact that these people have to be either white or black or something? Because they were written that way. Why mm-hmm. are we, like, so scared or so angry at showing them in a different light or like having somebody else, you know, put their own personal take on it. It's one Which of the most we're gonna get a lot of like, things. The Little Mermaid when that one. Comes oh, yeah. Out, like, oh, my God. Like, I mean, we Already. saw it the trailer. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Unless so. you're like completely changing like the personality of the character. That's fine. But like, why does the the skin tone like unless they're like, OK, if it's like the head of the Ku Klux Klan as a character, then maybe that person shouldn't be black because obviously it would make sense if it was white. Right. A person who's like in a role like that that has so strongly to do with race, but like Velma, you know, why can't we make why can't we change it up, and why can't we like take these things and 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 make fun of people for you know the fact that people are flawed and people are ugly. Yet some people like Freddie are this way, and we can make mm-hmm. fun of it and not be like a weird white thing. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I don't know what I mean. If they made Shaggy. What if he, so, all right, let's play a hypothetical here, right? Like, I wonder if these critiques would be the same if they made Shaggy, this version of Shaggy, a white man, and Fred, a black man. And then now, would you have the black community kind of denouncing the show for having, like, a, a kind of a negative portrayal of a black man? 
That's right? yeah. That's really that is interesting. So, because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I had mentioned this, like right, like the 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 I forgot what episode I talked about it, right? But the different levels of like portrayal, right? Like first you're like not seen, then eventually just mocked. Eventually you're like then sanitized, and then finally you're like equal representation of like, which means like flawed and human and stuff. Uh, so would having this Fred like be like a rich black asshole? Would that appease a lot of these criticisms, but would it just upset another uh, marginalized group? Probably. Right? Everyone's going to be upset at something. Right. But I think that's the problem that we just are in as a, as a, as a culture right now. It's just like everyone is looking for a reason to be upset. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Now I, I actually want to answer your question though about that. Uh, Oh, sure. Sure. Go. I do think that I would have preferred it if it was the other way around. And let's think about it in terms of the main character of Velma in the show. She has a crush on Fred and Shaggy Norville really, really loves her. And she's just kind of like, doesn't even view him as, you know, like anything other than a friend. Mm -hmm. And if that was a white boy who was crushing over the South Asian girl and she wouldn't even give him the time of day. I've mm-hmm. never seen that. This, the girls all want the white boys. Okay. That's fine. That but is, that was my fair. biggest problem with Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was, uh, that was like actually your biggest problem. Fine. So maybe that would, uh, and that probably would quell the common criticism of, uh, of Mindy Kaling. Like, oh, why do all your characters always have to, like, fall for white guys? But what a role here, reversal that would have been. But, but here's the thing. And we only seen two episodes, right? So we don't know for sure. But let's – here's the thing. Let's pause it back. Having a crush on someone is not the same as having actual romantic feelings for someone. The show made it explicitly clear that, like, she may see Freddy as handsome, Right. Mm-hmm. But like what we're seeing is just like, but she has actual feelings for Daphne, who is a female and she's Asian. So it's not like, so here's the thing. It's just like, all right, did you watch the show? Like when you, when you came for this critique of Mindy Kaling yeah. saying that like, you know, oh, why is she always obsessed with white men? It's just like, just, just because, I don't know. Let's be, and also we just have to be honest as a society. Like a lot of the celebrities that I tend to crush after tend to be white. Why is that? Because those are the ones I mostly see in the media. Yeah, they're jammed <laughs> so, down our throats. Yeah, like we're 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 so pro, uh, not proliferated, but like there's so many there's more white men to objectify, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and as and it would just probably be the same mechanics at a high school. Like even though you have a diverse cast, where like you, it's a literal rainbow of people who make up the Scooby Gang in this show. Uh, it would make sense, though, that, like, the most popular kid and the most handsome one being white because they probably go to a predominantly white school. Absolutely, yeah. And I just... Yeah, I actually completely lost my shirt of throw, but, like, because everything you said was pretty well put, so... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's so rare when I get the, <laughs> when I get those in there. But uh, the other thing... But, actually, you, you brought up one good point, though, which is something that you had brought up also when we covered interview with a vampire which is Mm -hmm. and this might be the only fair criticism that i think fans like genuine fans of the show of of scooby-doo have it's just like this does not feel like scooby-doo there's a lack of scooby Mm -hmm. there is and uh i don't know the characters just don't feel like freddie daphne velma shaggy so 
Do you think those critiques are valid? Yes. And those are the only critiques that I, any critique or, or any reimagining that happens, as long as you have like the core of, you know, who these people are, why we respond to them there, then like, hey, do whatever the fuck you want. But like we said, Shaggy was so unrecognizable as Shaggy as of what we've seen. Hey, guys, if you're listening to this episode and all the episodes have come out and anything we say does not resonate, remember, <laughs> we only watched two episodes. We, we right. jumped on this pretty fast. We jumped on the bandwagon that is Velma Hate. Yeah. And hopefully maybe we'll, people will come around to it or maybe people will just shit on this even more. Um, but so far, Shaggy is just not who we recognize at all. It's just like completely unidentifiable unidentifiable personality wise Mm -hmm. um i feel like freddie is also kind of that because in the original he's the leader you know he's the one that he might not be the smartest but he's the one that guides them through uh velma is very much like herself although she does have some edgelord qualities edgelord qualities to her and daphne is also just you know smoking hot like she always is so the girls are the same but yeah (laughs) And, you know, there's going to be mostly a girl-centric show. Yes. Right? Well, I, like, Sapphic. Are, like, I'm, I'm, they're, they're I'm, I'm not girl-centric. That's what I wanted. But, uh, like, the main characters seem to be Daphne and Velma here. Velma, obviously, she's the title uh, of the show. So she's yeah. going to be our, our main starlet here. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The only... And this is maybe something that I, you know, like I did a deep dive. I'm just like, yo, where's all this hate coming from? But like someone had made a comment that I thought was interesting. And that's like, maybe the show would be more successful if it wasn't actually like Scooby-Doo. But Mm. if it was just a show where these characters can exist in their own version, they're just homages to the Scooby-Doo that we know. And uh, one of the shows that comes to mind was Venture Brothers, right? That's Mm. an homage to Johnny Quest, without being directly related to Johnny Quest. And it allows them the liberty to be risque and not offend a population group. And it would create cover for a lot of these conservatives who are like, oh my God, you're ruining the nostalgia that I feel for this show in the past of the good old days, right? Because that's what it comes down to, right? Yeah. When we get very different reimaginings of, of shows from years past, it always comes down to why are you pushing an agenda on on my nostalgia yeah right yeah no too you know so like it would have just given them that cover i think we just have to cover it this is true (laughs) (laughs) i think we have to file this under yet another property that shouldn't have been a remake reboot or a revival it actually would have benefited from being a standalone piece but was too afraid to not be because one they probably wouldn't have gotten the viewers being an mm-hmm. original piece because people don't like originality anymore and also too it did its original idea was based off of like oh what if we can just like make velma gay or like reimagine velma and give velma the spotlight like she's never had before and then maybe got a little lost in the way yeah well so. i guess i wanted to ask you because it seems like you listen you watch both episodes but what did you think i mean did you hate the show did you think it was terrible like what, what, what were your gut feelings i was in the middle um okay it didn't completely win me over, but I wasn't, like, not enjoying myself. Right. Um, but then when the second episode came and the Daphne and Velma stuff happened, I was like, okay. <laughs> Did you laugh at the joke when Daphne texted her moms t- in order to, like, get them away? Yes. It's just like, mom, I want to adopt a sick cat. Where are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously me and Eddie uh, could would die. I think that was the, the one of the... <laughs> One of the scenes that we were like really laughed at, 
It was. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but we thought of you. <laughs> of course, my cat was like literally here two seconds ago. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, Eddie, how did you feel about the show? Like, because we saw it at Comic Con, and when we came out of Comic Con, I think the reaction that I remember we had was just like, "Oh, it's interesting." But I think you and I were both like, "I think people, this is going to get a lot of backlash." I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I thought. I mean, um, I I think. I, I kind of enjoy it through the eyes of not looking at it as the Scooby-Doo franchise mm-hmm. so much as these particular characters are kind of parodies of them, you know, of, of the Scooby gang. And like, if this, if this was their like existing in their own universe. And um, so, so I, I'm a little more forgiving of the jokes. I'm, um, I find that the whole being meta is a little too much. Mm-hmm. It's too it's too heavy. I mean, once in a while, I think it's cool, like sprinkle it throughout the episode. But I think every other joke is a meta joke, and um, I, I find that to be it, it could be like, oh, this is getting tired, tiresome. Yeah, it's trying to you be know? too clever all the time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, and I feel like it doesn't need to be ironed. Focus on some things too. There's a lot going on here. Too. Yeah, I, I feel like it's like Velma's panic attacks. I think. Uh, her mother's disappearance, possibly murder, uh, this the mur- this uh, serial killer, her feelings for Daphne, yep. no- Novelle's feelings for her, you know, like all these combinations, the whole thing of Freddy is white and has a small penis, you know, like this, <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on. And um, I feel like, you know, just kind of like uh, stretch it out, focus, you know, focus here, maybe focus on this and that. Yeah. Um, and then we have, we also have, we have Daphne, the drug dealer, who's, who's uh she just wants to like make a lot of money so she could hire a detective to find her real parents you know yeah mm-hmm. so it's it's a uh, it's a lot it's a lot going on um but there there are things that i find like oh this is kind of cute or like i like the Velma character i like it's it's it has that mindy project feel to it definitely and uh i kind of like that better as an animated series than mm-hmm. as a sitcom a live action sitcom because I feel sometimes live action sitcoms. All right, this is kind of on ridiculous. Like this doesn't this doesn't happen in real life at all. But um, so you well, think yeah. Mindy Kaling, or the Mindy Project, or are you thinking of uh, Never Have I Ever? I'm thinking or more both. of the Mindy Project. I'm okay. actually thinking more of the Mindy Project. Yeah, Mindy Project. Like yeah. they would skew not surrealism per se, yeah, but like would, they would get a little over the top. Yeah, it would be like this isn't. They, I mean, they had they had that whole episode that was a Groundhog's Day episode, and I was like, uh, no. But but when when it's when it's an, when you have like this animated um, story, I think it I think you'd be a little more forgiving. I think it could be like okay, yeah, I, I can handle a little raunchiness. I'm not too crazy about the new the nudity of of teenage teenagers um, in it. Um, I don't want to you know I don't want to I never want to like continue perpetuating the sexual you know sexualizing. Uh, underage kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not for. Yeah. I'm not for that. No matter what form it is, um, but um, yeah. So I I did find it interesting. It's funny because I had um once read a book called Meddling Kids, which <laughs> took the idea of the Scooby Gang of mm-hmm. these kids and made them adults. And it's like they the last case. It was like they they uh they failed to solve the last case and it broke them up. And now, as adults, they come together to, uh, to solve it. 
We opened the case. And the thing was, is they had a dog too. Didn't talk, but they had a dog. (laughs) And, uh, but it had the, it had the tropes. It had the characters. It sounds like a Jimmy Grady book. So, um. Was it? Who? No. That guy that you guys read, Grady. Jimmy Grady? Grady (laughs) Hendrix? Grady (laughs) Grady. That is brilliant. He got the Jimmy from Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's what I get right. That's exactly what I did. Oh, my God. The way my mind works. Seriously. Um, That sounds fun. I would actually like to read that. Um, I'm actually going to do it for book club. Oh. It's on my book club list. You know, I love a good mystery. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Rolando, what did you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree with both of you. I remember when I saw the pilot at, uh, at Comic-Con in October, I came out saying, it's just like, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I liked, I thought it was funny. And uh-huh. I was just like, I think some of the jokes worked. I do agree in retrospect. It's just like the, on the second watch, it's just like, oh yeah, some of these jokes are like in very much Mindy Kaling style. It's just like joke after joke after joke. And it does end up feeling like, on a sitcom specifically, uh, like a show that was written to be a show. Like sometimes this, the the way people talk isn't like how people would talk in real life. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that's a fair criticism for live action. I think for a sitcom, uh, for an animated show, you're allowed to get away with it. So, cause it's a sitcom, right? It's almost like, uh, it's not, you know, we're not watching real life. Yeah. So it's okay. Uh, I, yeah, it was a show that I think by the end, I was just like, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to probably give it, like, another... I'll probably keep watching a little bit of it because, like, I, I actually think the animation was wonderful in this show. I oh, great animation. Yeah, Absolutely. the hallucination, those sequences, I think are wonderfully animated. Mm-hmm. And uh, the coloring, you could just see... Like, the way they play with color actually works really well, like, during those sequences. Like, the, you know, they, they're able to, like, kind of create, like, light, which I don't... I don't watch. I guess I don't watch a lot of animation to like know if that's like something that's common. But like you know, yeah, you see like almost like the green rim lights suddenly come up, and then like the hands and the, I think those sequences are kind of like very well beautiful. Done. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, but I, overall, it's just like a show that's just like all right. I'll probably keep watching this. Uh, is it my favorite thing I've seen? No, but I think a lot of the backlash the show has been getting has been kind of just not warranted, and it's yeah. not coming from. I think it's not coming from an authentic place. No, like, I think the only authentic critiques i've seen of the show have been the ones that's just like this doesn't feel like scooby-doo i'm like you know what that's fair i agree with you guys but i also tend to lean towards remakes and reboots that kind of shake things up to the point where like so different that it's just like okay i experiment let me see if you're going to give me another remake another reboot at least give me something Something new make it your own yeah and this kind of succeeded in that aspect which is probably why i didn't i didn't walk out like hating i kind of walked out saying it's like oh i'm kind of excited to give this a chance and that's kind of how i feel i'm just like i'll give this i'm going to give this like a fair a fair chance i'm not going to like probably stop because we just finished new season of rick and morty and i'm like looking for an adult animated series to like kind of keep watching so there you go and guys this <laughs> this show is by no means incompetent which is what you know like a one star rating really should <laughs> receive mm-hmm. this is just a show that's maybe a little too ambitious mm. and that might be its biggest crime but like beautiful animation a lot of the voice acting is really well done it's like it's it's got a really good plot and a lot of things that work. Again, maybe just too ambitious. So 
Don't believe the hate. Check it out for yourself on HBO Max and let us know what you guys think. Ways that you can let us know is by emailing us, remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals, on Twitter at remakespodcast. You can reach out to us on Facebook. We just search for Remakes Reboots Revivals and catch us on our YouTube page. Search for Remakes Reboots Revivals. And if you enjoy this podcast, find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and a review or to whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on uh do we still have that voice thing? we do not we do not okay so we canceled that uh maybe you know we'll save they canceled any of us a... technically be... <laughs> let's not let them know <laughs> i'll let them know i dropped them all on that one <laughs> so, like, they were like um like, hello like yeah i was money i'm just like what oh oops. oh Sorry. <laughs> so maybe we might resurrect it who knows eventually maybe one day <laughs> but yeah um, guys, I saw Megan. Before <gasps> we end. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> How is it? How was it? Is it? You I, didn't I, see my post. You didn't see my no, story. I, I didn't. I gave I it four it. stars. Wow. wow, that's big for that you. That is big for you, especially for a movie that I'm the one who like showed you how ridiculous it looks. Is it? Does it live up to? Is it camp? That's why I loved it. It's pure, but it's like it's. So I compared it to RoboCop because okay. it's like camp. And entertainment, but like it's got something to say, and it actually works with what it's trying to say. The critics love this movie, and it's like one of those few movies where, like, for a January film, where critics mm-hmm. and fans alike are just saying like this is the best thing ever. Yeah, that's, that's rare for January releases. And like, I think I it thought, beat yeah. out Avatar at least Good. one day. So. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad the gays won, right? Because I mean. The, the the posts that I was watching uh, the weekend that came out like on uh, on on Twitter from gay Twitter were like people posting how excited they were to see the Nicole Kidman monologue followed by <laughs> Megan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like and just like apparently WeHo was just packed with gays to watch Megan. So I yeah that's a movie maybe maybe that's maybe Eddie maybe we might add that to the list of things. What do you want to do for my birthday weekend? It's gonna be like maybe let's watch that. Yeah, let's not sleep and let's, just yeah, do all just these activities. <laughs> go see Megan. Uh, I'm so jealous of you. Go see it, cause mm-hmm. and my I mean my theater I went on last night on a Tuesday, and there were a few people there, so like people are still seeing this movie, and it was uh, nice to you know experience it with with people. So I'm it's, it's exciting. I'm more excited that like how she was just so well received by like the queer community. This mm-hmm. character, and mm-hmm. it's like we have like Chucky now, who's kind of a queer icon, and now we have uh, Megan. It's just like representation everywhere. I love it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say too much, but you got to go see it, and it's getting a sequel. So and they oh, already greenlit a sequel. Oh, but okay, that's <laughs> no. I I worry. It's inevitable. About it's inevitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, because it's a horror. This is the beauty of horror, also, right? Like mm-hmm. they're cheap to make and just like. How did the costume work? Because, like, I think the most effective thing that I saw in the trailer was just, like, kind of making her look real, but, like... Well, she was performed by a child. Was she? Yeah. But was was she wearing a mask or something? She was. Yeah, yeah, so she had, like, a green screen sort of mask on. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, so half of the time, it's a a robot. But -hmm. then, like, when there's actual movements, it's it's most likely the girl. Amy Donald is her name. Mm. So... She did the dances. Yes. Did she dance? Please tell me there's more dancing throughout the whole movie. Uh, no, 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 no. Don't no, tell no, me no, anything. Totally. I will. 
yeah. Like a movie go see I'm it. Looking forward to watching. So yeah. and audience, go see it. It was great. I know we were talking about Velma, but also go see Megan. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, until next time, stay, stay unoriginal. original.